Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. There is no better group of pots of flower power than forms of the shrubby potentilla. Hello and welcome to This Week in the Garden. I'm Peter Seabrook here to help with some of your gardening quandaries. And we're going international on the podcast again this week. I'll be speaking to Beacon Camp Plants, a Dutch family business that have been trading worldwide for over 60 years. Johan Heemskirk will be joining us to discuss the changes and varieties of plants and flowers since he joined 35 years ago. My thanks to Charlie Jones, my producer, and to Sutton Seeds of Torquay, sponsors of this podcast. Well, the first hard frost of the year, ice on the top of my car at 11 o'clock on, uh, was it Sunday night? Goodness, yeah, that was a sharp frost. It means that some of the uh, very tender things like dahlias look pretty sad. And it was uh, surprising. Several of the begonias are still okay. The little Semperflorens, fibrous-rooted begonias, perhaps low down, they got a bit of warmth from the soil. Actually, if you've got any uh, still in your garden that look reasonable, if you lift them and pot them up and put them on the windowsill, they make very good winter-flowering pot plants. If you happen to have the green-leaved red flower one, well, then it's a very good Christmas house plant. And they'll just uh, potter on, don't get them too wet through the winter, but they'll flower non-stop. And then you can plant them out next late May, early June, and they'll flower a second time. It's surprising what uh, fruit and veg I'm still picking. I did an early August sowing of a snap pea called Lusaka. L-U-S-A-K-A. It's one of the... uh, snap peas which means you let the peas develop to full size and then eat the whole lot peas and pods mine are in the polytunnel but it's yielding very well and i think uh, i'm going to sow quite a lot next year looks like a very good fresh pea crop for november and really quite remarkably i'm still picking raspberries i get best part of a handful each day off a variety called paris really big berries Uh, And I'm just picking the last of the blueberries. What a long season. And the new variety trial at the RHS Gardens at Wisley has 18 nominations for Award of Garden Merit in their new plant trial. The Dark Leaves Celosia, Dragon's Breath, it's an appropriate one, isn't it, for Halloween time, is uh, topping the pole there. And... I'm not really surprised. That's picked up prizes at a lot of our trade show. A really stunning thing. Very dark-leaved. Celosia cristata. Among the awards, there's Petunia Night Sky. I'm not really convinced about that. You know, it's got bright blue and white spots. And then the Coreopsis. Uptick yellow and red. Very long flowering. 
Boy, I like the look of that. It was very high in the people's choice, too. Out in the garden, the one thing you do want to watch very carefully is the autumn sown annuals. I'm afraid I've had to set a little trap for uh, mice that have been attacking my sweet peas. They're beggars, the mice. The sweet pea just comes through and then the mice dig down and eat the seed and chew the thing off at ground level. Pretty aggravating it is. I was interested too to hear a talk from Fergus Garrett. He's head gardener at Great Dixter and they sow quite a lot of hardy annuals in the autumn and even the poppy ladybird. Now that's a single, really bright red with black centred flower and he says that if it's sown in the autumn it'll flower at exactly the same time as the alliums and makes a very good plant partnership. But he he sows the seed of these poppies and then transplants them. I mean, usually the poppies don't transplant very well, but uh, he transplants them and he says the tip is to do it when they are very small. You know, as soon as the first true leaf starts to show, that's the time that he transplants them into cells. So they'll only be in about, what, an inch square of compost, I suppose, inch and a half. And they sit in those cells in a cold frame, protected through the winter. And then in March, he can pop them out and plant them straight into the soil. And of course, with that autumn sowing, they make much bigger plants and flower much earlier. It's the kind of treatment you can give to things like cornflower and calendula. I've got some larkspur growing that way. And I tell you, the larkspur, if you grow the big uh, giant imperial, it put up spikes that are pretty well as big as delphiniums, three and four feet high. That autumn sowing really does the job if you can gently steer things through that uh, winter weather. They'll need a little bit of protection. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. <laughs> We've had a number of special guests over the months here on uh, This Week in the Garden and somebody very special this week. We are going to interview Johan Heemskirk, the representative in the UK to uh, a really large Dutch family business, Beacon Camp, the largest chrysanthemum breeders and producers in the world. Now, Johan started working at Widder P. Evelyn's in Alsmere. And by coincidence, 
I knew that company and actually bought Cyclamen, if I remember correctly, from them in the 1960s. But that was a bit before your time, Johan, wasn't it? You can say that again, Peter, but then again, you've been around a few, uh, a few years already. <laughs> well, we won't go into that too far. <laughs> so tell us, how did you start off in horticulture? Well, I'm actually from an, hortic- from an agricultural background. My uh, father was a dairy farmer, but uh, I uh, had more interest in horticulture. So instead of going to um, agricultural college, I ended up in the horticultural college in Aalsmeer. And Aalsmeer in those days, certainly the late 1970s, one of the main companies there was uh, the widow of Peter Evelyns. And I applied for a job and... 1982 I started and as I say the rest is history. Yeah but I mean they were fantastic cyclamen growers weren't they. In my very early years they had them in cold frames right alongside the dikes in Alsmere. I mean presumably they'd come up onto greenhouse benches by the time you were there. Yeah well when I started I think we were still hand sewing them. Uh, they were all open pollinated varieties, and I can still remember that one of the big inventions on our nursery was a sort of a, a double-sided plate with little holes uh, drilled into them in, in certain areas. And that was connected to a hoover. And when they put the seeds on that double-sided tray, obviously one seed would stick with every little hole because of the suction action of the, of the hoover. And then the surpluses were being thrown out and the tray was put upside down on the seedling tray and the hoover was switched off. So, And then all the seeds sort of fell in the tray in specific distance from each other. And, uh, and that's, that was one of the first inventions handmade on our nursery. I remember that well. Well, that would, yes, that would have been the early days of mechanized sewing wouldn't it i mean just just think how that's changed then johan i know now now, nowadays we we sow in excess of 1.5 2 million seeds per week on our nursery in the main weeks that's all done by um, by robots computers and by um, yeah it's very mechanized yeah how many seeds a week in our main weeks between the 1.5 and the 2 million seeds in one week it's amazing that's over maybe 150, 200 different varieties. So that is quite a wide range that we that we produce. Well, you'd need a computer to keep track of that lot. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Because, and then also we have to calculate roughly uh, which variety um, germinates at what sort of percentage. So before we actually do the sowing, we already do a germination test. So we know exactly how many seeds we need to sow uh, in order to get the right amount of plants as young plants for the, for the customers. Well, now, when you say we, you're talking of the Beacon Camp family business. That's correct. And there's a sort of two parts to it, isn't there? I mean, you, you, you have a separate company which handles chrysanthemums. Yeah, Beacon Camp is originally a, a plant company. They started with vegetables. Later, they also did uh, packaging, and I am part of the ornamentals business. And then a sister company of us is Daily Floor, which is the world's largest chrysanthemum breeder and cutting producer. I think we stick, every day we stick between the 2 and the 2.5 million cuttings every single day. I mean, that, the numbers are just mind-boggling, aren't they? I mean, I came to your nursery and saw that row of robots which actually picked up a chrysanthemum cutting, got it the right way round and, and stuck it into the cell trays. Uh, how many of those robots have you got? 
I think at the moment we have about 36 of them. The problem with chrysanthemum cuttings is that uh, some varieties have got very large numbers and actually sticking them is not a very pleasant job. These machines, these robots, we have developed ourselves and they stick between the 3,000 and the 3,200 cuttings per hour per robot. So where do all these go? I mean, uh, some would go for pot mums and some for cut flour? Now, I think most of them, I think 99%, 98% is all for cut flour production. And that's for all year round chrysanthemum cut flour production. So they are being delivered to, uh, to growers uh, in, uh, in Western Europe for cut flour production. Goodness, how do you keep that lot healthy? It beggars belief if some sort of disease got in there. So many people, so many nurseries will be depending on you, won't they? That's correct. Well, I mean, we have very strict uh, hygiene rules at, uh, at Beacon Camp. And people, let's say, for instance, who work in those greenhouses are not allowed to go into anybody else's greenhouses. And there is a very strict uh, hygiene protocol. So when, let's say, we have visitors, they have to wear overalls and plastic uh, sleeves around their uh, feet and shoes. And we just have to make sure we keep it uh, totally 100% hygienic. Yeah. With a nursery our size, when you have a problem, you never have a small problem. You always have a big one. Yeah. So hygiene is always very important. I can see that. Now, you and I had some fun with a new chrysanthemum, the first pink with green tip petals. Tell us a bit about that. Well, because I'm on Facebook with uh, Daily Floor, that's the company, that's the breeder uh, of the chrysanthemums. They came out on the 4th of May in 2015 with a new chrysanthemum that was the first pink chrysanthemum with green tips. And the question on Facebook was to name it. Now, it was the day after Princess Charlotte was, um, was named, so I thought Charlotte would be a good name at that time. So I entered it into the, into the competition. I won the competition, but then I thought, what do I do with it now? Because I've just named it after the most important person in the United Kingdom. So I linked it to a charity called East Anglian Children's Hospices, of which uh, Her Royal Highness, the Duchess of Cambridge, is uh, the royal patron. And Delifloor very kindly uh, donated the royalties of that variety to the charity. And then at a later stage, I actually went to Kensington Palace with some flowers for the Duke and the Duchess. But it has helped the awareness of the good work that East Anglian Children's Hospices do for... Um, for ill children, and I thought it was just a very good course to uh, to focus on. It was indeed, yes. A, a very pretty flower, isn't it? Yeah, it's lovely. It's, yeah. Uh, I was at Chelsea Flower Show in 2016, and there was an awful lot of uh, public and media response to it. It is uh, a unique flower, and uh, hopefully it will last for a long time. What about other varieties? Do tastes in colour change and flower shape? Well, when you look at flowers, I mean, we are one of the, one of the largest producers um, of begonias. And begonias over the 1980s, 1990s have become a, a little bit of a sort of an, an old-fashioned plant. So we have been working very hard on garden performance, on shelf life, but also on new colors, new flower types. And we, have, we are marketing that uh, at the moment under the, under the Dreams logo, which are just outstanding varieties for, um, for indoor use, for outdoor use, for hanging baskets. There are some fragrant varieties in it. Um, one of the best varieties in our trials, because every year we do extensive trials in Holland at the back of our, um, 
En de back of our nursery, the variety AV Pink, is extremely good for indoor-outdoor use. And I think in general, uh, begonias are probably one of the most uh, weather-resistant plants for the garden. Well, they certainly take wet, don't they? And they take uh, you know, quite strong sunlight uh, and, and just flower non-stop. I mean, yeah, well, you've had, them, you've had them in your garden yourself, Peter, I think, the avies. I have indeed. Now, just spell that, av pink for... av uh, pink, that's just E-V-I. Yeah. And then pink, pink. and then the colour. Yeah. And I mean, that you, you will sometimes see those in quite big pots in the supermarkets, won't you? And the uh, big companies, they'll offer those in what sort of... 10 or 12 inch pot now you're going to want that in the metric no that's uh, you see them in 15 17 centimeter pots and uh, normally they stick about two cuttings in one pot it's got a very nice rounded shape and as i say i mean that's one of the varieties that is suitable for both indoors as well as outdoors and on your dreams label when i was with you at a trade show 12 months ago you were starting to have men as well as women on the labels you know you were getting a really equality underway and and the thought that uh, more plants should be given to men well i, th- I think uh, plants in general i mean certainly in holland the amount of plants that are being sold uh, are most of them are actually sold to men because the men buy them for the women so therefore you have to appeal to uh, to both uh, to both sides and so you think when my birthday comes up shortly that uh, the ladies will give me plants. That'd be a nice idea. I'm all for that. Well, I mean, I don't see any reason why not. I mean, I don't think it it is related to to gender. I think uh, certainly, uh, but then again, that is something that we are doing very, um, very much at the moment, is that we make sure that whatever we produce has got a good shelf life, it has got a good garden performance, because the consumers in the end of the day dictate uh, our success. And, and therefore, uh, different flower types, different color types, uh, whether it's for men or for women, whether it's for youngsters, I think it is very important that we get young people into buying plants. Of course, plants are actually very good for you. I mean, there has been, by the NASA, there has been research in what they call the sick building syndrome, whereby they actually proved that uh, offices where they had plants, there was something like 20 or 30 percent less people not coming to work because of illness or, uh, or uh, bad health than offices where uh, there weren't any plants. So they are actually very good for you, whether it's for indoors or for outdoors. It's very much stress relief, and it just creates a better atmosphere. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Now, what about the vegetable side? Because Beacon Camp, very strong on that. Now, you propagate an awful lot of tom tatoes, don't you? That's correct. We are the first company to uh, commercially produce the tomato, which is more or less a, a grafted tomato on a potato. And because it is not genetically modified, it is the same family, but the difficult bit was with the tomato, um, a graft will only work when the diameter of the shoots are identical. Uh, we know what the diameter of a tomato is, but it's a bit more difficult with a potato to get the right diameter. So we have worked about four or five years on determining with the potatoes to work them that way, that they would have exactly the same diameter, uh, shoot the diameter as the tomato. And then when you put them on top of each other and put a little clip around it, then within seven days uh, the graph will hold and then you can grow them on from there. And then you get still you get your 250 uh, 
tomatoes from that plant. And you also dig up one and a half, two kilograms of uh, potatoes. From the bottom. Yeah, but well, some people call it a, a sort of a gimmick, but I don't think it is. I think it is certainly for young people, it is very nice to get them into gardening, to get them interested in, in nature. So it's been a bit of an eye-opener. We've done the same thing with aubergine, so the eggplant. So an eggplant uh, grafted on a, on, a, on a potato, and we call that the genotato. There are more plants in the Solanisee um, that you could use it on, but we are still, uh, we're still working out other other mixes as well on that. Yes, I mean, the aubergine has been offered here as the egg and chips plant, hasn't it? Because you've got the aubergine, the eggplant on the top, and you've got potatoes for chips on the bottom. Yeah, correct, yeah, well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, I mean, there's a much more serious side to your vegetable production. I mean, most tomatoes and cucumbers for commercial use will be grafted now, won't they? Yeah, they are, they are. So we are, at the moment, we are just finishing the last part of a nine-hectare nursery just outside Hoekvolland. Uh, that is very high-tech uh, glass where we produce all our uh, grafted, um, grafted tomatoes. And certainly with the environmental laws in Holland, you see more and more that old greenhouses are disappearing and new greenhouses are being put in their place. But to give you an example, for instance, on this new glass, 99.9% of the water that we use on that nursery is being uh, recycled and sort of reconditioned with fertilizer. We make sure that, let's say, for instance, if there are any chemicals in, in the, the tap water or the rainwater that we use, we have destroyers that, um, that destroy any particle of chemical to make sure that the, the grafted the tomato plants that we send out are totally free of any, uh, any type of, uh, of chemical. I mean, it's almost like an intensive hospital unit, isn't it? Once you go into these really big greenhouses now, they need to be completely sterile. Yeah. Yeah. What an amazing world, Johan. When you think... It is a fantastic world that seems to keep us young, Peter. (laughs) Well, when you think of you with your vacuum cleaner sucking up those cyclamen seeds, well, it's only, what, 30 years ago... And and now they just pop the seed into the hopper and the machine just sorts out even the tiniest seeds and sows them singly into cells. Yeah. Yeah, computers control the temperature and the strength of sunlight and the feeding and everything. An amazing world. Johan, thank you very much for an insight into it. Uh, We wish you well. Pleasure talking to you. I'm always looking for something new. And really, Adrian Wilde gave me a new message. She's a very experienced Garden Magazine editor. And on her Twitter, you can find that at, at Fab Gardening. That's at, you know, the A with the circle. Capital F, Fab, capital G, Gardening. She recommends that after a day digging, you get a, a tablespoon of shredded horseradish and marinate it in a cup of olive oil for half an hour and then massage it into your aching muscles. Actually, shredding the horseradish, I should bring tears to your eyes, leave alone, remove the pain from your joints. Uh, I think I might stick with a hot bath. And I wonder how many people spend a day digging. Fortunately, I can still do it. Can't wait to see all the leaves down so I can get my spade out on the veg plot 
and spend a good few hours just working gently up and down. Get a great appetite, nice hot bath, and then boy, do you sleep. Thanks again to our sponsors, Sutton Seeds of Torquay, and thanks to you for listening. We'll be back next Thursday. Discover more at sungardening.co.uk. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.